be warned. In this experiment, true life, we must ramp up the voltage to 1,000 volts. Don't scratch that. 10,000 volts. Yes, Master. Throw the switches, wait for the lightning. We'll get this up and running. Yes, Master. Welcome, Watchers of Illusion, to the Castle of Confusion. Yes, indeed, it's another DGC podcast, this time September, and it is September the 22nd. I can't believe how much time has actually flown past since the last podcast, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, indeed, time has flown. Uh, Just before we kick off, just want to remind you that our Batman promotion is still running until the end of the month. And all you need to do is have any Batman-related product in your cart and use the voucher code DARKNIGHT. That's all one word, so make sure that you do that right, and you'll get a 10% discount on that. Um, Coming next month, well, you'll have to wait and see, won't you? Anyway, I wanted to update you guys a bit, because as you probably know, I have a YouTube channel which is not being used very much right now, Um, but it will be. I'm in the process now of um, an intro being made from our official DGC artist, and I think it's going to be something special. I've already given him the details, I know what's coming, he knows what's coming. You guys will have to wait and see. But, um, as you're familiar, I always already write the uh, retro review column every uh, Monday, but I'd like to actually start doing a Let's Play series where I get to commentate over the top of uh, a game as I'm playing it. So I give you guys a live reaction of what I'm doing. Now, at the moment, I'm not quite sure how to do it with uh, face cam, so it, for the initial few, uh, it's going to be me talking over the top. Kind of similar to what I'm doing now, but you'll have some imagery and it'll all make sense as we go along, because I will commentate as we go. So that's coming up very, very soon. I'm in the process of testing these things, which is why I haven't been as um, frequent on my postings, shall we say. Um but there, that's coming, and I'm quite excited about that because retro gaming is a massive passion of mine, uh, whether or not you knew that already. Uh, you may do. Uh, talking of retro, we do have a retro game section. If you mosey on over to our pre-owned uh, section of the website, you will see a uh, retro games category in there, which is being added to little by little. Uh, we have a Spectrum uh, section. We will have NES, SNES, uh, Mega Drive. I've got all that coming up for you guys, so big retro fans. Look out for that, it's coming very soon. Right, so what have I been up to for the month? Well, not a lot really. Um, getting prepped for the big time of year, and I'm not just talking Christmas here, but uh, the big ooh fanfare, Star Wars. Yes, we've got some Star Wars stuff coming very, very soon. In fact, I've just had a dispatch notification to say that a couple of the mugs that I pre-ordered are coming into stock. So that's coming in this week. Um, and if it's the ones I'm thinking about... The Captain Phasma mug, which is just pure sex on a mug, because it's just chrome and it's gorgeous, and I think you guys are going to be loving that. 
and there's going to be Kylo Ren as well. We've and later in the month we've got the battle uh, lamps coming as well, which basically lava lamps, but they've got little Tie Fighters and ships floating around in there, which looks absolutely fabulous. So as soon as I got that, I might try and get you guys uh, some sort of video up for that as well, so you can actually see that in action. Because of course I will be having one for myself, so you'll be able to see those coming very shortly as well. All right then, so Doctor Who has now returned to our screens. And I have to ask you guys, what did you think? Because personally, from my outlook on it, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And I, and I thought, quite honestly, it beat the entire last series second to none. I thought there was a lot of Easter eggs in there. I don't know how many of you guys picked up on those, but you need to watch it again because there were quite a lot from the Tom Baker era. And it's it's definitely worth a watch if you, uh, if you like to hunt for Easter eggs during uh, programs and movies. And moving on to movies, I've I've been quite busy this month with movies. I've um, I managed to watch um, Fast and the Furious Seven the other night, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Very over the top. Never take it seriously because if you take it seriously, you're kind of missing the point. But a very very good tribute at the end to Paul Walker, so it's worth a watch. A uh, very high octane, and then you've got obviously Vin Diesel in his role as Dominic, and you've got The Rock who who kind of makes a should we say cameo appearance um, as to as to his uh, main role in the last movie? But it's worth it just to see him rock bottom. Oh no no no! Well, I'm not. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to spoil things for you guys. Uh, let's just say that it's it's worth watching. It's a very good movie, and if you like the sort of high speed, high octane, high fueled adventures of the team, then I definitely recommend that you go and watch that. Um, I've also been watching. Um, Jurassic World, which I've been really looking forward to, and I have to say, probably the best Jurassic Park since the first one, um, which if you didn't know, it's supposed to sort of lead on from the end of the first one, um, and they've got a lot of things right, whereas with Jurassic, the, the Jurassic Park sequels that they had before, Lost World and Jurassic Park 3, um, although good cast and everything else, but those films really just didn't hit the mark for me at all. So... Jurassic World is very good. It kind of puts it back to where it was um, with the dinos, and I really like that. Um, it's They've expanded on the park sort of aspect of it, which is great. Um, the actors are second to none. I mean, Chris Pratt just cannot do anything wrong, can he, uh, at the end of the day? Um, although you do kind of expect him to jump into his Star-Lord persona every now and again, but that just doesn't happen. But his character is very good in Jurassic World, so that's another one on my see list you've got to see it even if the indominus rex i don't know that's yeah but you need to see that it's very good and there's some nice little plot twists and elements in there and the finale i have to say was a punch the air fantastic yes moment for me because i love jurassic park i think i saw it seven times in a row at the cinema once because I, it was just that's how good i thought the original was so it's nice to see that return to form and, of course, the biggie this month has been um, Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, there's a bit of side, you know, uh, tennis going on with this. Some people will say it's better than the first one. Some people will say, no, nah, it's not as good as the first one. Personally, for me, I thought it was better than the first one. Now, feel free to discuss this on the, on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash deadgoodcomics, um, and have a, have a discussion, because I actually enjoyed it more but I think it was because it had more action in it and you kind of knew who everybody was at this point. 
which is great. So there's no character building with the introduction of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver as well. Everything was just brilliant. And James Spader, that man, can do no wrong. He is amazing. Uh, yes, I'm a Spader fanboy, and I absolutely fantastic. If you've if you've never watched the Blacklist, by the way, and you are a James Spader fan, or even if you're not, go and see the Blacklist. It's a brilliant series. And I'm kind of coming off point here, but see the Blacklist. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's about an FBI. Uh, organization and then you've got one of the world's most wanted criminals just walks in and gives himself up the rest of it is up to you to go and watch but it is brilliant uh, there's two seasons of that now so I have seen both seasons I have to say both of them are superb so yes that's another one on the DGC must see but anyway going back yes Age of Ultron brilliant uh, Spader does a brilliant job as Ultron, and you get to see some new characters, people that you haven't seen before, then you get to see some old faces, cameo as well, which I'm not going to spoil, um, but the Stan Lee cameo is absolutely ace this time, so you just go and see Age of Ultron, if you're a Marvel fan, um, a superhero fan, you like Thor, Hulk, Captain America, or any of that, go and see it, you know, pick it up on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever, it is well worth it. So that's that's it for my sort of movie TV roundup. Um, I'm going to briefly touch back onto Doctor Who. Um, very interesting. Uh, let's say I'm not sure how they're going to do it. They've got to they've got to have some sort of reveal for Davros, haven't they? They've got to have some sort of how he survived because at the end of um, with David Tennant, I'm pretty sure that he kind of blew them all up. So yeah, there's got to be some sort of explanation for that. Obviously, there's got to be an explanation for how Missy survived as well, because she is back in her most maniacal. And I have to say, she's fantastic. Michelle Gomez pulls this out of the bag when she's playing the master, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's like um, it's like watching a psycho dance to her own drum, and it's absolutely brilliant. I think uh, Doctor Who's got a very special season this coming up this uh, this year, and I really hope so because last last year's season was good, but I just didn't think that Capaldi really kind of fitted into that role completely. But from this episode, he is the Doctor. Um, but don't get me wrong, I actually thought Capaldi was very good last season. And I'm very pleased to see sort of an, an older Doctor back again in the role. Now, there is talk at the BBC are lining up the next Doctor. Now, that doesn't mean that Capaldi is leaving, but I guess they're just covering their bases, because as you probably know, uh, Jenna Coleman is, is leaving the series this time. And uh, I think they might be wetting their pants a bit as to whether Capaldi may join her and follow suit uh but but the, the, they're they're lying up the actor that played rob stark in game of thrones i mean he would be the youngest doctor yet and i mean matt smith was the youngest doctor up until this point but now they're looking at possibly getting that guy on board to be the next doctor oh, what do you guys think about that i mean if you're not sure about game of thrones go and look up uh, rob stark can't think of the guy's name at the moment really sorry about that um but look up the, the, the actor that played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones and you'll get an idea of what we're looking at. Um, as far as the ladies go, I don't think there's going to be many complaints, quite honestly. Uh, it's whether he can actually bring his role to the Doctor like Matt Smith did and obviously now the way Peter Capaldi is also bringing the role. So, yeah, lots of exciting things uh, this year, I think, coming up. Um... As far as the store goes, uh, we obviously you've probably seen the Harry Potter stuff that we've had in recently. Um, it's all top quality. It's all official, all official merchandise, and um, that's all I ever do in our store anyway. Peace of mind for you guys. Everything we put in the store is fully licensed and by the studios that 
manage it. So anything you buy from us is legitimate and you'll never have a, a bad service from us. Uh, if you're not sure, check out the user reviews on Facebook and uh, shop with confidence. I know there's companies out there and to be honest, they should be ashamed of themselves and shut down. Uh, there's a company in particular, I don't really want to name and shame, but they will basically take your money and then you'll be waiting months and months and months if you're lucky you might get your items by then please guys be careful when you're shopping around um we've been we've been in trade now for three years almost in october it'll be three years for dgc and quite honestly we haven't had negative reviews so if you want to have a good shopping experience everything we send out is first class recorded delivery so you have to sign for it um, that's peace of mind for you, it's peace of mind for me. So far everything we've sent out has gone out and has been received with thanks. So, please, shop with confidence. Remember, we've got a big time of year ahead of us, uh, just a few months' time. I'm not going to start doing the big Crimbo uh, advertising campaigns yet, but it is coming. You are probably more than aware of that. When the kids go back to school, it's time to start thinking about Christmas presents. So, have a look at our site. See what you think. There's lots of gift ideas there, some very cool stuff, and also we do gift vouchers. So if you can't think of anything to give, you can always buy a gift voucher and you can email that off to whoever you would like to have receiving it. Okay, right then, it's time for another one of my interviews. Yes, indeed. Um, this time it's by a Mr. Jason McKenzie. I will let this describe it for you. Greetings, Kens, and welcome to the Retro Review Podcast. If you would like to take the spotlight for a moment and give the listeners a rundown of who you are and what you do in the retro world, that would be great. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me on your show. Right, a bit about me. My name is Kens, and I'm probably best known for my retro shenanigans with Binary Zone, and for my One Man and His Mic podcast. And I also publish new games for old systems on the Cytronic software label too. Thanks very much for the introduction, and uh, let's crack on with question one. Uh, you've been on the retro scene for many years now with your Binary Zone Interactive, or Binary Zone PD as it was back in the day. What made you decide to keep the Commodore 64 scene alive for as long as you have? Well, I started Binary Zone in 1990, and it was basically a public domain software library that catered for the Commodore 64. I offered a large selection of discs that contained Commodore demos, music and public domain games. And if you're not familiar with the demo scene, a demo is basically a program that demonstrates the capabilities of a computer. Or another way to look at it, it's a bunch of talented programmers showing off what they can do and trying to outdo each other. After a while I expanded Binary Zone to do other retro-related things, which is why I renamed it to Binary Zone Interactive. And it's still going strong 22 years later. It certainly is going strong, mate, and it's really good to see it still out there in the community and a community that's growing every day. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, you're also known in the retro world as Cytronic Software. How did this come about, and how did you come up with the name? A good friend of mine, John Wells, who is a brilliant Commodore 64 programmer, was looking for someone to publish his game Scepter of Baghdad. It was originally going to be published by Atlantis, but they sank so I offered to publish the game for John, but I didn't want to do it through Binary Zone, as people associated that with public domain software. 
rather than commercial software, so I decided to set up a separate software label. And there's a little story behind how I came up with the name Cytronic. I was a big fan of Psygnosis software at the time, and I loved the big glossy boxes that they released their games in. And I also liked the budget label Mastertronic. So I wanted to offer the quality of Psygnosis with the cheapness of Mastertronic, which is where the name Psytronic came from. Oh, and I changed the C in Tronic to K, because K stands for Kens, and looks cool. I didn't quite manage the quality of Psygnosis with the original Psytronic releases in 1993. They were presented with photocopied inlays that looked a bit rubbish. But now all of the Psytronic releases feature gorgeous glossy packaging. So I got there in the end, even if it did take me almost 20 years. But as they say, good things come to those who wait. And I think in this situation, that marks so, so true. Right, shall we move on? Uh, We all have our standout moments of retro gaming memories. What would you say is your best standout retro moment, gaming or otherwise? Oh, blimey. I've got standout moments for most of the retro computers and consoles I've owned. I can remember being amazed and terrified at 3D Monster Maze on the ZX81. And the first time I saw Night Law on the Specky, I just thought, I'm playing a cartoon. Uh, The first time I saw Iridium on the Commodore 64, it was like an arcade machine in your own home. Seeing Star Wars and Dragon's Lair on the Amiga. I remember the first time I saw F-Zero on the Super Famicom. I just had to have one after seeing that. Uh, Playing the X-Wing, TIE Fighter and Duke Nukem games on the PC back in the day. Oh, and seeing Tekken for the first time on the PS1, which I do believe you showed me, Rich. I've also been lucky enough to meet a lot of my heroes from the retro computer scene at various events and concerts. People like Rob Hubbard, Martin Galway, David Whittaker, Ben Daglish, Jeff Minter, Archer McLean. I even had my Spectrum signed by Matthew Smith, who wrote Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy. All great memories and definite standout moments. Yes, it was me that showed you Tekken, and uh, why do I get the feeling that's going to come back and bite me in the arse in a few minutes? Anyway, um, let's move on to question four. You were involved in the Back in Time live events. Could you explain what this was and how you got involved in such a unique live experience? The first Back in Time live event came about while I was helping Chris Abbott with the third Back in Time album. The original idea was to take over a club, invite lots of C64 celebs, and play Commodore 64 remixes at excessive levels. And the plan came together in 2001, and we had a great time in Birmingham. The later BitLive events featured more live acts, like the brilliant Press Play on Tape, Stuck in the 80s, Machine Supremacy, and Visa Rasta. They were fantastic events, and hopefully we'll do another one at some point. Well, that would be absolutely fantastic if you guys managed to do that. And uh, I'd really like to come to one if you do one in the future, because I've missed out on all the others, unfortunately. Anyway, question five. Uh, If you could organise for one retro game to be remade for the modern day, what would you choose, who would you choose to handle its programming, and why? Ooh, that's a toughie. A lot of my fave retro games have already been remade on modern systems by homebrew coders, or there's modern remakes available. I wouldn't mind playing a new version of Elite with modern graphics, though. Not sure who I'd get to program it. How about Bungie? As the Halo world kind of reminds me of how a Coriolis station would look inside. Or how about Barbarian on the Wii? 
You could decapitate your telly. Yeah, I could just see that now. Yeah, kids standing there. Mum, I'm cutting the TV in half. Yeah, I could see that going down really, really well. Okay, moving on to question six. Uh, you produce your own podcast show called One Man and His Mike. How did you come to think of this concept and what were your main inspirations into doing it? A few years ago, I co-hosted a live radio show with Boz on Slay Radio called The Z Show. But that ended when Boz moved to Sweden. I really enjoyed doing those shows with Boz and wanted to carry on somehow, but I didn't have either the time or the equipment to do a regular live show. But that gave me the idea to record a podcast that people can download and listen to whenever they like. For One Man and His Mic, I thought I'd do something in a different style to the Z Show, so I came up with the idea of each episode having a specific theme, either devoted to a particular retro musician or console system. I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to editing, so it takes ages to put each episode together. I'm currently working on the 20th show, which will be celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Commodore 64. 30 years. Blimey, that makes me feel old, and I'm only 35. Oh, flipping out. Where's the time go? Anyway, on to the next question. Um, there are many game developers out there that have produced some fantastic games over the years for various retro gaming systems. Who would you say is your top pick out of the retro era, and why? My favourite game developers. Sensible Software did a lot of great stuff on retro platforms. Parallax and Whizball on the Commodore 64. Cannon Fodder and Sensi Soccer on the Amiga. I also like the Bitmap Brothers. Speedball 2, Gods, Xenon 2, Chaos Engine. Really stylish and cool games. DMA Design did some great stuff too. Blood Money, Lemmings and Walker on the Amiga. They of course went off to become Rockstar North and found a little bit of fame with some Grand Theft Auto games you may have heard of. Ah, good old Grand Theft Auto. I still remember the day I bought that home and fired that up for the first time. What a hoot! Anyway, uh, next question. Music plays such a big part of a game, and recently I reviewed Shadow of the Beast, which was possibly one of the best atmospheric music tracks I've heard on an Amiga. What would you say is your standout game track from the retro era, and why? As I love video game music, I could name hundreds. So I'll pick a few from each system. On the specy, I would say Fairlight as that was the first time I heard multi-channel music coming from a Spectrum, and Agent X by Tim Follin, which was amazing at the time. I love big epic themes on the Commodore 64, like Kentilla and International Karate from Rob Hubbard, and Parallax and Rambo from Martin Galway. Amazing themes. From the Amiga, yeah, the Beast games had great music, really atmospheric. And I liked Alistair Brimble's stuff, Alien Breed, Project X. I love those Team 17 games. From the SNES, the Super Star Wars games had great music. Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Castlevania 4, Axley. The list is endless. Moving on to the PS1, I love the original Wipeout themes and the music from beat-em-ups like Tekken and Soul Blade. In fact, I can remember you found a cunning way of hacking the music out of Tekken. Isn't that right, Rich? <laughs> well, um, <coughs> yeah, embarrassment mode answer. Um, 
Yeah, the hacking out the music thing. Um, never let me live that one down, really, have you? Uh, yeah, uh, basically back in the day, you really didn't think about putting a game CD into a music player. And you can imagine my surprise when I put Tekken into my CD player and the music came blaring out. You see, I didn't realise that CD tracks would have been used. On, on hindsight, yes, I feel like a right dickhead. Thank you for that. Um, but um, never mind. The uh, the sentiment was there. Thank you very much, Kens, for reminding me about that. Knew it was going to come and bite me in the ass. Anyway, uh, question nine. In the last show, I interviewed Boz and asked him if he thought the PC in a box concept from Commodore USA could introduce a new wave of retro gamers to the C64 fold. A resounding no from Boz. As you actually own one of these machines, I think it's time to tell people exactly why they are worth owning and what they could bring to the future of Commodore 64 gaming. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. For me, the Commodore 64X came along at exactly the right time. I was actually looking for a portable shuttle-type PC to take to retro events, as it's a real pain lugging a PC case, keyboard and monitor, and all the PC gubbins around. So the C64X was just what I needed, a portable PC with built-in keyboard. The fact that it looked like my favourite 8-bit machine was the icing on that particularly yummy cake. The machine itself is superb. It's really quiet, excellent for emulation, making it perfect for retro events, great for playing PC remakes of classic 8-bit games. I also use it to show promo videos of Cytronic games, and it can play DVDs too. And the keyboard is great. So yes, I love it. I don't think it's going to do a lot for the future of C64 gaming, to be honest. It's more of a novelty item, really, but it suits my needs perfectly. I really like the concept, and actually having seen your actual C64 PC in a box, I have to say, they are they just look like the genuine item. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know the difference if you just saw one sitting there on someone's bench. Um, I'd be interested to know, though, if Commodore USA are going to do an Amiga version. I might be interested in one of those. Um, anyway, shall we move on to the last question? It's, it's actually a chance for you now. Um, and I'd like to say thank you so, so much for taking out the time to answer these questions. Um, and this one is a chance for you to ask any question to any dream retro developer or musician of your choice on any subject. Okay, I have two people I'd like to ask a question. Uh, Mr. Andrew Braybrook, could I have a follow-up to Iridium for the Commodore 64, please? But actually, on the Commodore 64, because I wasn't too keen on Iridium 2 on the Amiga. Maybe he could combine Paradroid and Iridium into one game. Iriddidroid, where you have to fly along the Dreadnought, land, and then go inside the Dreadnought and do stuff like Paradroid or something. Oh, and Matthew Smith. Can you write another Willy game, please? Ooh, I'd like to know what happens when Minor Willy meets the Taxman. Thank you. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and interview you, Kens. Uh, here's your chance now to tell the listeners about your podcast, website details, and any upcoming releases from Cytronic Software, and any general shout-outs to anyone you wish. Thank you very, very much, and hope to interview you again sometime in the future. No problem at all, mate. It's been fun. And if people want to hear more of my waffle, then head along to binaryzone.org forward slash podcast forward slash to download the latest episode of One Man and His Mic. And keep an eye on Cytronic.net for some great stuff coming up, including Zytron 2 on the PC, which is a mental shoot 'em up 
with amazing glowy graphics and superb soundtracks, and also soulless on the Commodore 64, a stunning arcade adventure. Thanks for listening, and as I say on one man and his mic, see you in the future. Cha, cha, cha. Yeah, so massive thank you to Ken's for taking part in that interview for me. Hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, before we end the show, as it's almost that time, it's time for my remix of the month. And this time it's from Ami Gamer, and it's an Amiga remix this time. And it's from Desert Dream Part 1. This is the Sunset Dunes mix, and I think you're absolutely going to love this. I will see you guys next time, uh, which will be ooh, almost Halloween, I would imagine. So... Have a great month, and I shall be back to see you guys very soon. And keep an eye on the Facebook page for the retro review coming very soon to YouTube, as well as writing as well. Okay, guys, have a great month. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.